0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask you as we turn to your word this morning, Lord, help us to receive. Help us to be open and present to your Holy Spirit, to hear your word, and for it to impact our hearts and our minds. Inspire us, challenge us, convict us, Help us to be more like Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So, we just had the gigantic shopping day of the entire year Black Friday. My daughter had thought about going out and then thought better of it. And I think she made the right decision. And I especially thought that when I ran across an article, Safety Tips for Black Friday. You should not need safety tips to go shopping. But then I came across another article, Four Safety Tips for Surviving a Tornado. I thought, interesting. I wonder what kinds of safety things there are. I found another article. Five safety tips for surviving an earthquake. There were 12 for Black Friday. (laughs) If there are more tips for surviving shopping than a tornado, you really shouldn't go. (laughs) But it is something that people just get very, very fixated on. This past Black Friday, just two days ago, Over $9 billion were spent just online. $9 billion. I mean, people for Black Friday, like, we they know what they want, or they know they want a sale, and they just get into this mode. And I started thinking about, I haven't really done it for a while, but I remember wanting to hunt down the deals. And I can remember being so focused. There are so few things I am that focused on in my life. (laughs) I don't know about you, but my mind tends to run everywhere. It tends to be over here. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. I'm thinking about what did happen. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say to somebody. It's very hard for me to be really present, especially to God. This morning, I got up at 5 o'clock like I do on Sunday mornings. I went out. I got ready to pull my sermon out, to do my finishing touches, and that I should pray first. So I started to pray. Within 20 seconds, I was already thinking about something else. And I'm a priest. I mean, I should be able to do this longer, right? But it is really hard to be present to the Lord, to be present to the people around us, Have you ever looked at a group of folks maybe sitting at a table at a restaurant and four out of five of them are on electronic devices (laughs) sitting at the same table? It's really hard to be present in our culture. Throughout the season of Advent, that's what we're going to talk about. Specifically being present to God, and we're going to look at Zachariah, who was far more present to his doubt and his fear than he was to the promises of God. And I think all of us can relate to that. But we're going to look at each one of these accounts and see ways of us being more present to the Lord and to each other. So I encourage you to open up your Bible, Luke chapter 1. It's on page 1456, Luke chapter 1. Page 1456, if you've got a pew Bible. If you have your own, I have no idea what page it's on. You'll have to figure that out. It's after Mark. It's before John. Luke chapter 1. Here's the first thing. Zechariah is far more present to his doubt and his fear than he is to the promises of God. So here's his story. Verse 5. In the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. They have the right lineage, and they know it. They know where they come from. Verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, please don't think they were perfect or without sin, but in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, when you sinned, There were sacrifices that could be made. That's what they did. They followed the Lord's word all the time. When they messed up, they made the appropriate sacrifices. And then they kept going and did the right thing. These were really good followers of Yahweh. Verse 7, but. It's a bummer when there's a but. (laughs) You would think... If they were that faithful, their clergy, or he is, that the Lord would be blessing them like crazy, but they are missing one of the most important things you could have in the first century, really for both of them. For Elizabeth, it's what would give her status. For Zechariah, it's what would let them go forward into the future, because a son Would often take over whatever the business was or follow in his father's footsteps. But, verse seven, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. They have likely been praying for decades for God to give them a child, and he never gave them one. And yet, when we pick up the story, despite the fact that they've been doing everything right, They're following the Lord. He's serving the Lord as a priest. They're still not getting this prayer answered. Please don't think that answered prayer or unanswered prayer is about you getting everything right. That's not the grace of God. God may grant you his grace and he may not. What we're called to do is exactly what they're doing. Keep going. Verse 8, once when Zachariah's division was on duty, he does not give up being a priest. He doesn't get so bitter that he just goes, you know what, God, you should have done this. Since you didn't, I'm going to stop serving you in this way. He keeps going. Was on duty and was he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is the high point of Zachariah's priesthood. This would happen to him once in his life if he was lucky or if he was chosen. Because what would happen is the different divisions would rotate and they would get to serve in the temple, but only one priest would be chosen to go in and burn the incense. So this point in his life, and again, he's, he's been serving the Lord for decades as a priest. This is his moment where he gets to go in. It's the highlight. It's this point where he's like, I get to go into the holy place and burn the incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. They were praying for the return of Yahweh. They were all out there praying for Messiah. Ever since the last prophet Malachi, they had been praying. 400 years they had been praying for the return of Yahweh. And that's what they're doing. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Please don't imagine like the little baby cherubs that we see, you know, a little flying cute angel. No, this is a glowing figure that inspires fear in everyone who sees him. You always see this angel show up and they go, don't be afraid, because you can't help it. It's that moment where you may not want to be, but you are ha. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. That prayer that you thought I did not hear. That prayer that you started praying 30, 40 years ago. That prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth promises an angel shows up after all of his years and says not only are you going to have a kid but let me tell you about this child let me tell you the incredible things he's going to do the power he's going to have the holy spirit in his life the way he's going to impact israel he is the one who will come before messiah this is your son and here's the priest's response And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Here is this incredible promise that an angel is making to a faithful priest who is at the high point of his priestly career. And this is what I think happened. I think the angel showed up. He said, do not be afraid, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And I think at that comma, he stopped listening. And he started going, how is that possible? I'm too old. That can't happen now. Like, there's no way. She's too old. We can't have a kid. Like, and now you're coming? Like, after all this time? I, I, I don't even know if I want a kid those who have had a child unexpected in old age, you know what it's like to go, I don't know that I wanted another child. I think he's thinking about all of the things from the past, from the future, and he's not even hearing. He is not present to what this angel is telling him is really going to happen. So that all he can say is, how can, you, how can I be sure of this? We're too old think of the incredible promise being offered. And that's the only thing that you can think about. How do your doubts, your fears, your struggles, how do they keep you from really being present to what God says is true in your life? How do they keep you from hearing the numerous things that the scriptures say To believers. Because what we end up thinking about, we hear the scripture and then we start going, but what about this? What about this circumstance? How's that going to work? I don't think this is true. I don't know that can work out. We are so good at being present to all the things we're afraid of, all the anxieties, all the things in the past that still control actions going into the future. How present are we to God saying, You're my child and I love you? How present are we to the Philippians passage where you are to present things before the Lord with thanksgiving so that you can know peace? How present are we to the Lord's peace? We're much better at saying, Here's my request, and now let me go dwell on all of the things that are negative that I can't control, but not let me be present to the peace of the Lord. Let me actually give this to you. Here's an example of what I think it looks like to really be present to something when things around you aren't perfect. My boys just did their first performance in lead roles at a musical, Frozen. And ironically, the theater was frozen. There was no heat in that theater, and it took place last week, or a week before that, when it was frigid. And when you walked into the theater, it was almost, I mean, I was telling my family, I went to the first show by myself, and then I came and reported to everybody so that we could bring our four-year-old, and if he watched it, great. And if he didn't, I could follow him around for the whole performance and everyone else could watch. But that first performance, I came back and I said, you guys need to wear heavy coats and maybe hats and gloves. Like, it looked ridiculous, because I walked in, and I was wearing two layers But they were thin layers, thinking that would be enough. And I walk in, and I mean, literally, as I'm walking, I'm seeing the back of heads. They're wearing hats, like big things covering their ears, and like gloves. And I'm thinking, we're indoors. And then I sat down, and I'm like, oh, (laughs) I am not nearly warm enough. And I mean, it was cold. And then the show started. And I did not remember being cold until the show ended. I was so present And so proud of watching my boys, I literally forgot all about being cold. It was still there, like they didn't turn the heater on, I didn't get an extra jacket or a blanket. But I was so present to what was there, to my kids, to this incredible performance, that the rest of it kind of faded away. That is what it looks like to be present to the Lord. It doesn't mean that all the problems go away. It doesn't mean that God answers every single prayer you've ever asked, and he just makes it all perfect. To know the peace of God is to be present to him, to knowing that he's with you, to knowing that, let me ask you, has God really ever let you down? Even in the moments where you're like, God, why didn't you do that or do that? And later on, you're like, oh, wait, you're doing this. He is always working. And to be present to his promises is to embrace them more than the fears and the doubts and the anxieties and the things that are out there. How does that happen? Well, here's one way. Here's how it happens to Zechariah. Look what the Lord does. Verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. And here's what I imagine. I don't know if this actually happened. I'm conjecturing. But in this scene, what I imagine is the angel shows up and he's like, Zachariah, here's all these amazing things. And, he, and even the angel's excited about this because the angels rejoice when people come to faith, they have emotions. So the angel's excited about Zachariah and what's going to happen and his son and the answered prayer and everything. And then Zechariah goes, But, and the angel stands up and he goes, I am Gabriel. How dare you? (laughs) He didn't say those words, but that's the, like, I can't believe you're, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And yet your doubts and your fears are stronger. Well, and now you will be silent. You will not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in there so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. All right, here's what you need to know about the Lord, and here's what you need to know about one way that God helps us to be present. God does not punish his children. He disciplines them to help them grow in holiness. This is not the angel going, well, you've offended me? Shut up, you're not talking anymore. Done with you. Why is he making him silent? Because I'm going to take something away from you that is going to help you focus and learn to be present in a different way. Could you imagine what the next nine months are going to be like for him? Just imagine for a moment that you cannot speak anymore. How does that change how you relate to people? For some of you, you're like, oh, what a blessing. (laughs) I don't have to talk to you people anymore. And then some of you who can't shut up are going, that's not possible. (laughs) That wouldn't work on me. (laughs) I'd find a way. But imagine what it changes. Imagine you lose that ability. Imagine you're sitting around with a group of people and all you can do is listen. How do you hear in ways you weren't hearing before? You're no longer thinking to yourself, so here's one of the worst things about a prayer circle. Like if everybody's praying in a row, if you're next, what are you thinking about while the person before you's praying? What you're going to pray, right? <laughs> and if you're all the way down here, you barely hear anybody. Because you're just like, oh no way, did they just take that? I was going to pray for that. I mean, you're not focused at all on what other people are doing. But imagine if you can't talk. What are you focused on? Only what everybody else is saying. You're hearing and listening in a different way. Let me tell you something. God takes things away from us to teach us. Not because he's mean. Not because he just wants to see us suffer. But he puts barriers in our lives so that we will turn to him in ways we might not without them. But here's the thing you have to actually turn to him. You've got to use the barrier as a way to grow, as a way to be present, like maybe you weren't before. We just watched the Thanksgiving Charlie Brown. It got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm really not sure why, and I love peanuts. (laughs) It's not bad. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad we watched it, but 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? I just can't. I went and looked at it this morning. It only got reviewed by six critics from Rotten Tomatoes. But those six gave it 100%. But here's the thing about that particular Charlie Brown show. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to ruin it for you. Um, If you have seen it, here's what happens. Peppermint Patty invites herself over to Charlie Brown's house for Thanksgiving. Well, she doesn't just invite herself She also invites her best friend Marcy, and she invites Franklin, all to come over to have Thanksgiving with Charlie Brown. Who is supposed to be at his grandmother's house all day having Thanksgiving. And who can cook nothing but toast and butter. So he agrees to do it because he's Charlie Brown, and he rarely says no. He just says, okay, I guess we'll do this. And then he goes and he gets his dog, Snoopy, and he gets Linus and says, we got to do this. And so they prepare this Thanksgiving feast, which is made up of toast pretzels, popcorn, and jelly beans. But they keep it all hidden under something. So everybody gets out and all the kids surround the table and then they pull it up and they start dishing it out and Snoopy's dishing it out. I don't know about a dog dishing out my food. It just doesn't work for me. But he's dishing it all out at which point Peppermint Patty throws a fit. You know, just goes after Charlie Brown. How could you not understand this? What are you doing? We need a turkey. Where's the mashed potatoes? Where's the stuffing? But Marcy comes to Thanksgiving, comes to Charlie Brown and says this, because you can imagine Charlie Brown being crushed by this. Thanksgiving is more than eating, Chuck. You heard what Linus was saying out there. Those early pilgrims were thankful for what happened to them, and we should be thankful too. We should just be thankful for being together. I think that's what they mean by Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. Being thankful for being together. But then she goes to Peppermint Patty. Wait a minute, sir. Did he invite you here to dinner? Or did you invite yourself and us too? And Peppermint Patty says, Gee, I never thought of it like that. You think I hurt old Chuck's feelings? Oh, I bet I hurt his feelings. Oh, golly. Why can't I act right outside of a baseball game? And then she tells Marcy, would you please go make this right with him? The most important thing in Thanksgiving, at least when it comes to the meal, unless you're at our house, is the turkey. If you're at our house, it's the rolls that Aaron makes. But in every other house, the turkey, it's the centerpiece. I mean, that turkey is removed. Something happens. Pepper and Patty goes nuts. Charlie Brown gets hurt. Everybody then goes into chaos. And yet, one person steps into that chaos and that barrier and that thing that's taken away, and she says the right things so that a lesson is learned by everybody in that group. And you know what happens at the end? They all go to Charlie Brown's grandmothers to have Thanksgiving together. And they're singing in the back of the car. When things are taken away from us, when things aren't as we expect them to be, when God doesn't provide what we want Him to, either we can get bitter, we can give up, or we can take it as an opportunity to lean into the Lord and be more present to Him and His promises and learn from it. See what God is doing. And that is what happens to Zechariah. He learns you go to the end of Luke chapter 1 you will see the account where his son is born and when his son is born they are getting ready to name him and they want to name him they want to name him after his father because that's what the custom would be and the mom says no can't do that we got to name him John and they're like what and they all look at the dad who can't speak of course and he takes out a little thing and he indicates yes we're going to name him John And they're like what And at that moment, he can begin to speak. And you know what he does? He praises God. Over those nine months, he learned something. He's in the moment and he praises the Lord. And there's one thing I want to read to you in that passage. If you're in there, go to verse 64. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is with him. There's a moment of obedience in Zechariah that God blesses. And he causes all the people in that moment to be impacted by what Zachariah does. When we are present to the Lord, we put ourselves in the greatest position to be used by the Lord, for him to work in our lives. That is what we want for this season. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us, God, as we go through the season of Advent, to focus on being present to you, to your Holy Spirit, to your word and promises, and to one another. Lord, it is so difficult in our very full lives